0: Any king worth his salt will guard his treasure. If he's a rich king and he has amassed treasures for himself, he will keep them hidden away in his palace, behind locked doors with guards stationed outside, with threats and warnings to anyone who would dare approach. Any king worth his salt will guard his treasure. He will not let anyone near. He won't let anyone look at it. It's his treasure, like a dragon in his lair. Any king worth his salt protects his treasure. It seems at times that God is such a king. Think back to the people of Israel as they came to Mount Sinai, and God was there in thunder and lightning and a cloud and a voice from heaven, and Moses was called up to the mountain, and God said, Stay away. Don't come near the mountain, don't touch it, lest I break out against you. He was guarding his glory, keeping the people of Israel from coming near. But the reason why God was guarding his glory in Exodus was not. Because it was so precious to him that he did not want to share it. He guarded his glory in Exodus, kept the people away because... They were unclean because they needed to be washed and made new. Because approaching his glory on the mountain, coming near to God like Isaiah standing before the throne of God as he's called to be a prophet, that glory, that vision of glory can kill sinners. But God's glory is not meant, he does not mean to keep it hidden away. He means to share it. He means to give it as a gift to the likes of you and me. And so it is that tonight we draw near to the throne of grace and we witness Jesus lifted up on the cross. And in Jesus lifted up on the cross, we see God's glory, his most profound glory, his glory in forgiving sinners we see his most treasured possession there on display before all the world there calling everyone to approach to draw near as we heard last night to take and eat to share in his glory who are we that we should be invited to draw so near? Who are we that we should be permitted to look on the sufferings and death of Jesus? Who are we that we should be allowed to see God's glory? As you reflect on the cross, as you see the wounds in Jesus' hands and his feet and his side. Think how you should look on him. How should you meditate on his sufferings and death? How should you gaze on his glory? Not like Judas, who betrayed Jesus, who used Jesus for something as trivial as 30 pieces of silver. Not as Judas, who realizing his grievous error, fell into despair. Christ was on the cross for Judas as well. Christ was there for those who betray him. Christ was there for every sinner, the most grievous of all. Do not gaze on him as Judas did in despair. Do not gaze on him as the Jews did, as though they could stand in judgment over him, as though they knew better what was right and wrong and good and bad, what they needed, what he should give to them, what the Messiah should do, what their king should look like, do not gaze on him as the Jews did, despising him, wishing him dead. Do not look on him like Pilate did, skeptical, aloof, not wanting to choose a side, knowing better but not wanting to busy himself with such affairs, not wanting to get mixed up in that mess. Do not look on him as Pilate did. Don't look on Jesus like the soldiers did, mocking him and spitting him, making sport of him, making light of his life and his death and the gift that he was giving to the world trading for his clothes. Don't look on him even as Peter and the apostles who fled from him, hiding their face because they thought that somehow he wasn't going to keep his promises. Instead, look on him in this way, as his mother and as his sisters and brothers. Jesus said to somebody who heard him once, who said to him, Blessed are those, blessed are the, the breasts that nursed you and the womb that bore you. Jesus replied to that woman who said that. He said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And there was a moment when Jesus, flesh and blood, mother and brothers were standing outside. And they said, we want to talk to you, Jesus. And his disciples said, look, Jesus, you've got to go talk to your mother and brothers. And he said, who are my mother and my brothers? But those who hear my word and keep it. When you look on the cross of Jesus, when you look on his suffering and death, look on him in faith. Believing his words. That he has given his life for yours, that his love for you is a love that lasts to the end, that there was no cost too great, no price too high to pay to rescue you from sin and death. He has borne your griefs and carried your sorrows. He was stricken and smitten by God, afflicted for your sake, He was pierced for your transgressions, crushed for your iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought you peace. By his wounds, you have been healed. With those words resonating in your ears is the only way to look on the cross of Jesus, to look on God's glory. Who are we that we should be so privileged, so honored to see our Lord in all his splendor? It is the only way to look on him in faith, trusting his promises. And anyone who would do otherwise, anyone who would look on him in any other way, should tremble in terror. But you have heard. You have believed. You have put your trust in God. You have hoped in his promises and in his resurrection. For you, there is nowhere else to go. When the disciples, some of his disciples, were scandalized by what Jesus said about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, they left him. And Jesus asked Peter, Peter, are you going to leave me too? And Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Who are we to look on Jesus' glory? Well, where else can we go? Where else could we hope to find peace, to find grace? help in time of need, to find a future and a hope, to find life and salvation. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, trusting that Christ has paid everything for you and for me. To him be all glory now and forever. Amen.